With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In a cold sweat. The way I like it. Is the way it is. I got mine. Don't worry about his. Get up. Get on up. Hey everybody, this is Chris Malanfi, host of Hit Parade, Slate's podcast of pop chart history. Welcome to The Bridge. Should I take him to the bridge? Go ahead. Take him on to the bridge. Take him to the bridge. Can I take him to the bridge? Yeah. Take him to the bridge. Yeah. Take him to the bridge. Yeah. Take him to the bridge. Yeah. Come on. That's Get Up, I Feel Like Being a Sex Machine by James Brown the song where the godfather of soul literally asks if he can take us to the bridge of the song. We played this on the very first episode of Hit Parade, The Bridge, when it launched in April 2018. And we're playing this song again to offer a fond farewell to the person responsible for these Hit Parade mini-episodes. That would be Slate Podcast senior producer TJ Raphael, my colleague who helps me take it to the bridge every month. First off, welcome back to the bridge, TJ. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on one more time. Yes, one more time being the operative words. Uh, TJ, you dreamed up these mid-month shows that bridge our full-length monthly episodes, help us catch up with our listeners and play a trivia game. And you, TJ, have been involved both behind the boards as our editor and producer and booker of guests and often in front of the mic with me as well. Um, And I'm here to tell our uh, listeners that TJ just announced a couple of weeks ago that she is leaving the warm embrace of Slate for Sony Music, where she will be a senior producer for their new podcasting division, working with podcasting titans Adam Davidson and Laura Mayer. We at Slate and Hit Parade couldn't be sadder for ourselves or happier for TJ. This is deserved acknowledgement of her awesome talents. So, TJ, first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. That really is so nice. Um, It has been one of my favorite parts of my job here at Slate has been working um, with you on Hit Parade, um, you know, doing these mini episodes of The Bridge um, and also just working with you, giving feedback and and hearing and, and listening to what you're making in the full length episode. So, I'm I'm glad that we were able to start this little tradition of checking in every month and and with our listeners and playing some trivia, um, and kind of debriefing about um you know the the longer narrative pieces that you're doing. Um, so thanks for when I came to you with the idea. Thanks for not saying are you crazy, <laughs> and um, going with it. So I appreciate it too. <laughs> I never thought it was a crazy idea. I'll admit that at first I thought, well, let's try this and see how this works. I mean, I, I wasn't sure what the end product would sound like, or frankly if our listeners would embrace it, but they absolutely have. I mean, when I go out and do our live shows or meet listeners out in the world, um, many of them say, you know, I became a Slate Plus member so that I could do the trivia. Uh, I want to be on Hit Parade the Bridge. Um, You know, I I just think it it draws us closer to our audience and, uh, you know, gives us a chance to kind of go behind the scenes of how we make this this program. So it, it really has been vital to helping Hit Parade grow and connect us to our listeners. 
Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And thank you to our listeners and especially our Slate Plus members. If you listen to this show, you know that before we do our trivia segment, we always tell people you can you know sign up to play if you become a Slate Plus member. And Slate Plus is very important to Slate and its journalism. It allows us to be financially independent at a time when journalism around the country and, and honestly around the world is kind of struggling. We can be more financially independent by getting direct support from our audience, from people who really care about journalism. So thank you so much to all of our listeners, but especially our Slate Plus members. You know, your support really matters. Speaking of listener feedback and listener involvement, I must say I have gotten more listener feedback on the June episode, full length episode of Hit Parade uh, about the history of Broadway and the pop charts and show tunes in general than I have quite possibly on any Hit Parade episode. Um, And in part, I don't take full credit for that. I think it has to do with my very special guest at the very end of the episode. My, I can now say this, stepson, no longer my soon-to-be stepson. I am now married. And uh, Tom is actually my stepson uh, who performs uh, a song from the musical Dear Evan Hansen at the end. And um, yeah, that was – I I would like to thank all of the listeners on Twitter, on email, who have um, wished me well in my uh, new marriage, in my journey as a stepfather, and uh, have said such kind things, deservedly kind things, about Tom's performance. I will also say briefly that this episode is unusual in the history of Hit Parade, the two-plus-year history of Hit Parade, in that – it really grew. I was not kidding in that those closing credits. It really grew from Tom's request backwards. Tom came to me more than a year ago and said, have you ever done an episode about Broadway music? And I, I said, well, no. And, you know, Broadway music is not necessarily chart music, so that would be hard. It basically took me the better part of a year to think up, okay, how would I approach an episode talking about show tunes on the charts, given that Broadway hasn't topped the charts in like 50 years? What would I do? And And... Little by little, I kind of pieced it together, and then I realized that Tom's performance could be the culmination of the episode. So I'm deeply grateful to Tom, frankly, for proposing it in the first place, and and so grateful again to our listeners who uh, clearly enjoyed uh, the result. So thank you all. You know, to follow in Tom's footsteps, since it is my last episode with you on the bridge— I do have one tiny request to make. Listeners, I know you guys have all been in this position where you're like, wow, Chris should really make a hip parade episode about this topic. And if I had one request, it would be that you create a full length episode on 90s girl rock. I mean, it might be a little embarrassing, but I still obsessively listen to the hits from Fiona Apple and Melissa Etheridge, Sarah McLaughlin, Four Non Blondes, and of course, one of the most iconic figures for me, Alanis Morissette. And isn't it You know, I think when people think about 90s rock, they think about like grunge and they think about Nirvana. But like, what about all these women that like were also really influential? I feel like rockers in the 90s. Um, and, you know, I feel like Alanis Morissette is still, you know, sort of revered out there in so many ways. So like, 
Can you talk about that a little bit since, you know, maybe maybe one day in the future we'll get a full length episode. But if not, like, here's my opportunity to ask your thoughts on it. That is seriously an excellent suggestion. And it's not even that far removed from one of the topics I've been thinking about for a future full length hit parade. Um, I myself have written not actually for Slate when I uh, was writing for Pitchfork magazine uh, about five, six years ago. I did a history for Pitchfork about Billboard's modern rock tracks chart, which is now called their alternative chart. Uh, but when they founded it in 1988, they called it modern rock tracks. And little remember detail, the first number one song on Billboard's, you know, alternative music chart uh, was Susie and the Banshees' uh, Peekaboo. Uh, so basically, that chart was topped by a woman to start. And then as the as we go into the 90s, women really did very well uh, in as so-called alternative rock rose. Women like Alanis Morissette, like Liz Fair, like PJ Harvey, uh, like Sarah McLaughlin did exceedingly well both on the modern rock chart and eventually on the Hot 100 as well. So there's definitely a lot of story there. Uh, probably a capper to this story, not to give too much away if I wind up doing this episode, is the formation of the Lilith Fair uh, concert series uh, at the end of the 90s. I believe it uh, launched in 1997, just as Sarah McLaughlin was really having her big coming out moment on the charts, you know, doing uh, her big album Surfacing, uh, which was coming off of an already big prior album. There's plenty there. You are uh, very much not alone, TJ, in wanting uh, to talk more about that that era. Um, and so uh, I'm going to uh, take it uh, under adv- serious advisement uh, for a future episode. Given like this moment in culture in 2019 between, you know, we've had these two very large women's marches. We've had, you know, women's kind of standing up around me, too. Like, why isn't the Lilith Fair back? <laughs> If there was a 2019 Lilith Fair, Chris, who are you booking for it? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, only because I have her on the brain right now because she's at number two on the charts and trying to go to number one and, and knock out Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. I would put Billie Eilish on that mm. concert. Um, I see her as the heir apparent to everybody from Kate Bush to Tori Amos to Lord. Uh, she you know, is the iconoclast of her generation, sort of the left field female pop artist of her generation. So you're a tough guy, like you really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. So she jumps immediately to mind. And then, of course, in the world of Americana, you have people like Brandy Carlisle, who electrified the Grammys this year. Uh, and then, of course, in the world of alternative rock, you have people like Courtney Barnett. So there's, you know, a rich tapestry of women artists across the genre spectrum. It's not just limited to pop. It's not limited to rock uh, in hip hop. My goodness. I mean, we're having a, a really fertile time with, of course, Cardi B, whom you and I have talked about on Hit Parade the Bridge before. Um, but she is not alone. There are numerous women rappers who are on the come up right now. There's really a, a great spectrum. And I think a modern Lilith Fair uh, would probably be at the very least an amazing concert. I, yeah. I wonder if in the 20 years since Lilith Fair, the 
festival business has gotten so big uh, with the likes of Coachella. I mean, look at the way Beyonce commanded Coachella such that everybody renamed it Baychella last year. Um, you know, the, the, the festival business has gotten so big that I wonder whether women no longer want to have an all-women festival or if it's just kind of difficult to mount any festival these days and, and that's why you don't see a rerun or a return or a comeback of Lilith Fair. But um, I would certainly buy a ticket for that show. I would absolutely buy a ticket for that show. And I think that in 2019, that Lilith Fair, like you had mentioned Cardi B like and Beyonce, I think a 2019 or a 2020 Lilith Fair would be much more intersectional. It would be a lot, a lot less white than it was yes. in the 90s. And I think it would feature a lot more diverse arrays of music. Like I can think of, you know, Lizzo, who she has a lot of like, you know, feminist commentary in her music. Woke up feeling like I just might run for president. Even if there ain't no precedent. Switching up the messaging. I'm about to add a little estrogen. I feel like a modern Lilith Fair would include a really diverse array of performers, and I would be really anxious to see it. So I'm putting the call out there. Whoever's listening, please organize that for me, and I'll be eternally grateful. <laughs> As will I. All right. Well, let's take a break and play some trivia. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Now comes the time in Hit Parade the Bridge where we do some trivia, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Rachel. Rachel, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Hi there, Rachel. Uh, I understand you're joining us from Chicago, is that right? Yep, that's right. Uh, so uh, what do you do in Chicago, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'm a legal editor for a legal education company. Oh, cool. So uh, are you also a uh, pop music fan? How does that tie into uh, your uh vocation if you will. <laughs> um I don't think it really ties into my vocation, but I am a pop music fan. Fantastic. Um I also was wondering if you are a Slate Plus member. I am. Excellent. Uh how long have you been a Slate Plus member? Um it's almost been five years. I uh I joined just a few months after Slate Plus uh started. Wow, so you're a diehard. You've been yes. uh you've been a loyal Slate Plus member for quite some time. Yes. That's excellent. I, I hope you regard this moment of uh trivia as uh, the culmination of your multiple years of Slate Plus membership. It is. It's it's like a very exciting uh reward for me. And this is my opportunity to remind listeners that while this bridge episode is available to all Hit Parade subscribers, we only open our trivia rounds to Slate Plus members. So if you are a member and would like to be a trivia contestant, visit slate.com slash hit parade sign up. That's slate.com slash hit parade sign up. 
So just to remind everyone how this works, I'm going to ask you three trivia questions. The first will be a callback to our prior full-length Hit Parade episode, and the second and third questions will be a preview of the next full-length episode of Hit Parade. Are you ready for some trivia, Rachel? Yes, I'm ready. All right, fantastic. Here we go. Question one. In last month's episode, I mentioned several Broadway cast albums that have charted well in the last two decades, though none has gone to number one, like Hair in 1969. A few have come close. Which of the following cast albums has had the highest debut on the Billboard 200 album chart in the 21st century? A. Dear Evan Hansen. B. Rent. C. The Book of Mormon. Or D, Hamilton? I'll go with B. I'm sorry, the correct answer was A, Dear Evan Hansen. On the outside, always looking in, will I ever be more than I've always been? Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass, waving through a window. Both The Book of Mormon and Hamilton have peaked higher reaching number three, but only Dear Evan Hansen debuted within the top 10 all the way up at number eight. All right, one down, two to go. Here's your chance for uh, some redemption. (laughs) Uh, These next two questions, as I said, are going to be a preview of the next episode. Here we go. Question two. The following covers of Lennon-McCartney songs, all issued after the Beatles broke up, reached the top 10 on the Hot 100. But only one of them hit number one. Which one? A. Earth, Wind, and Fire got to get you into my life. B. Elton John, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. C. Anne Murray, You Won't See Me. Or D. Tiffany, I Saw Him Standing There. I'll go with D. Tiffany. I am sorry, the correct answer was B. Elton John. His cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, a John Lennon song from the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album, was recorded with Lennon himself. Okay, that was a tough one. I've got one more question for you. Let's see if you can get this one right. Are you ready for question three? Yes. All right, here we go. The number one song of 1981, according to Billboard, was Kim Carnes's Betty Davis Eyes. It spent nine weeks on top of the Hot 100 that year. But its nine-week run at number one was interrupted for just one week by what artist? A. Eddie Rabbit. B. Sheena Easton. C. The Stars on 45. Or D. REO Speedwagon. B. I am sorry. The correct answer was C. The Stars on 45. Their medley of a dozen songs, 10 of them oldies, mostly by the Beatles, hit number one in June 81, pausing Kim Carnes' epic run. Its title set a chart record for most words in a number one song. And it's so long, I'm going to have to reveal it in our next full-length episode of Hit Parade. (laughs) Well, gosh, I am so sorry, Rachel. It was a rough trivia round for you. 
Uh, but here's the good news for you. Now's the opportunity for you to turn the tables on me and ask me a trivia question. And I do not have the best record in this uh, trivia round. So uh, this might be your chance for revenge. Uh, do you have a question for me? Well, I'm going to jump in here, Chris, and I'm actually going to throw Rachel a lifeline. I've actually worked on this trivia question to give to you for my final episode of Hit Parade the Bridge. Um, so I'm going to send that over to Rachel and Rachel's going to try to ask you it. And so um, hopefully me and Rachel, can we're going to team wow. up on you right now. <laughs> All right. I'm being ganged up on, but I'm ready for it. Lay it on me. Okay. Alanis Morissette is one of Canada's most well-known exports hailing from Ottawa. Before moving to Los Angeles in 1995, Morissette even won a Juno Award, a high accolade from Canada's music recording industry for most promising female vocalist when she was just 17 years old. Which other Canadian female act won the same award? A. Katie Lang, B. Celine Dion, C. Avril Lavigne, or D. Sarah McLaughlin? This is such a TJ question. I say that. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I, no, don't apologize. That's a compliment, um, especially given what we were just talking about. Um, and yeah. it's really tough. Uh, I mean, I know about the Junos. I know what the Junos are, but gosh, I'll be darned if I can figure out which of those v four very prominent women. It's not like there's a, a ringer in the bunch, uh, you know, won that prize. So this is going to be a pure guess. Um I'm just going to go for what I think is probably the strangest of the four picks and go with Avril Lavigne. No, the correct answer is A, Katie Lang. And wow. I know, right? Out of all of those... <laughs> <laughs> you think Celine Dion? I really, I feel, I feel better because I never would have gotten that. I right, Celine Dion was sort of the obvious pick to me. Avril was the left field pick. Never would have picked Katie Lang. That that's amazing. <laughs> so, so Rachel, we got some vindication. So, why don't you explain the question to Chris? Okay, uh, Katie Lang took home the most promising female vocalist Juno back in 1985, about six years before she recorded her album Ingenue, which peaked at number 13 on the Billboard 200 in 1992. Celine Dion was nominated for the award in 1987, but lost to a singer named Rita McNeil, a soft-spoken independent singer-songwriter in the folk, pop, and country genres. McNeil became the top-selling country artist in Canada in 1990 and 1991, outselling such American stars as Garth Brooks and Clint Black. Though she's won 14 Juno Awards and has been nominated 29 times, Sarah McLaughlin was never nominated for Most Promising Female Vocalist of the Year. Avril Lavigne was also not nominated for a Juno for Most Promising Female Vocalist, namely because the award was discontinued in 1993. Wow. Wow. Way to go, Katie Lang. Way, I mean. <laughs> way to go, Katie Lang. Um, that would have required some pretty deep Juno's knowledge on my part. I should have guessed that out of the four, Katie Lang was the most Grammy-like artist, if you regard the Junos as the Canadian Grammys, you know, the one likeliest to take home a prize like that. But it's still a very left-field winner out of those four women who are all very prominent Canadian artists. So I feel happily stumped by that question. I, I guess, Rachel, you and I were totally blanked out uh, yes. in this trivia round. And that makes us, that makes us right. even. So uh, I, I hope you feel a little better about that. Um, and Rachel, in all seriousness, thank you so, so much for taking part in our trivia competition on Hit Parade the Bridge. Thank you for having me. It was fun, even though I missed all my questions. 
No, well, thank you so much for being a Slate Plus member, five years strong. Uh, that's We launched the program five years ago, so thanks for being an OG Slate Plus <laughs> member. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, if I can throw in uh, one prize for you, out of all of the trivia competitors we've had on, I don't think we've had a Slate Plus member of such long standing as you. Oh, wow. Many people, there, there have even been a handful of people who became Slate Plus members so they could do the trivia round. But you are really uh, an old school Slate Plus member, so we, we truly appreciate that in all seriousness. Thank you. Well, I feel chastened, and uh, I am really glad that on your way out the door, TJ, you managed to stump me one last time with a question direct from you and very much in your idiom. So congratulations. You you got me fair and square. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I like to see you lose these trivia questions, <laughs> but it's always fun to see you challenge just because I think, you know, you have so much knowledge. You've been a, a music journalist and critic for su- such a long time. Right. Um, um, and, you know, you do pull it out, too, sometimes, 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 <laughs> but you do pull it out. And <laughs> and like, you know, I I mean, I never know any of the answers to these questions. So, you know, good on you for being a good sport every episode and, you know, rolling with the punches. Um, before we wrap up, can you tell me about the next episode of Hit Parade? You know, what can we expect from the full length show um, from the July episode? So this is a quirky one, and uh, I think those last two trivia questions reflected it. Um, I am actually, full disclosure, adapting an article that I wrote for Slate four years ago. It appeared in the summer of 2015. It was called Without the Beatles. And the premise of the article was that, this is the fun chart trivia fact, there have only been three number one hits on the Hot 100 written by John Lennon, Paul McCartney, that duo that, you know, teamed up. And if one of them wrote the song, it got credited to both of them as the unit Lennon McCartney. There have been only three number one hits by Lennon McCartney that are not Beatles songs. And here's the thing. They're all strange. So I'm going to talk about all three of these oddball number one Lennon McCartney non Beatles hits uh, in the July episode of Hit Parade. And Honestly, because this was already an article, it'll be not entirely new to a handful of loyal Slate readers. But frankly, I think the ability to play clips of these songs, I really think enriches the experience of hearing this story, especially the stars on 45. You kind of have to hear what they sound like. They're all a little kooky. So that's what the July episode of Hit Parade is going to be all about. Awesome, Chris. Well, I can't wait to listen. And, you know, I'm going to continue listening from afar, especially to the bridge. I got to keep tabs on this trivia. I got to learn something every month, especially now that I'm not behind the board. I got to keep up with everything. So thank you so much again. For the last time, I'm TJ Raphael, senior producer of the Slate Podcast Network. And I'm Chris Melanfi. Thank you, TJ. I cannot thank you enough for conceiving of Hit Parade the Bridge, making it such a pleasure for me and all of our listeners for the last year and a half. We will miss you so much, TJ, and I know that you will keep marching on the one. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.